0: Well, I finally did it. I took down my Christmas tree. It was it was a very difficult thing to do, but it is now done. And, you know, it's funny. I think about it pretty often, you know, obviously with the attachment to all things Christmas, although my nativity scene is still up as it is all year round. And the main reason for that, I think, and what I try to get at, you know, in all the different times of preaching throughout the Christmas season It's just that, you know, the glory of the incarnation, of the fact that we know that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, you know, that we are not left alone, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And it's one thing, you know, during the Christmas season to kind of get to do one of these a lot and point to the Nativity scene and we reflect on the infant in the manger and how incredible it is that God would humble himself in that way and come to us. But i got to tell you, reading the gospel anew for today, you know, I mean, we've all heard it so many times. We're just now getting to the end of the first chapter of the gospel of Mark. And then actually, I think it's next week on the first Sunday of Lent, we'll jump back to the beginning of the gospel of Mark again with the temptation of Jesus. But there's something about this gospel in particular that I think drives home just how much our Lord gave up all that he did to empty himself in becoming one of us. When you look at this healing of the leper, you know, the man who comes to Jesus, and especially with the context of the first reading from the book of Leviticus, right? I mean, once again, just like last week, we got a pretty tough first reading last week, we get a tough one this week. I mean, to read, especially with our modern ears, what the prescription was for those who had leprosy, to have to go around crying out, unclean, unclean, and to be by themselves, outside, away from everybody. He shall dwell apart, making his abode abode outside the camp, right? So then to know that that's the context, and then in the gospel this morning, to see this man with leprosy run and fall at the feet of Jesus and beg him, if you wish, you can make me clean. I say, I don't need to read the whole thing to you again, but his being moved with pity is reaching out and touching this man who has leprosy, who has this skin condition, who has this isolating predicament, so to speak. Jesus reaches out and touches him. And when you look to the conclusion of the gospel, when this man did not do what Jesus asked him to do, warning him sternly, see that you tell no one anything. And of course, he publicizes it to everybody. So what happens? He and Jesus switch places. At the end of the gospel today, what is Jesus doing? He remained outside in deserted places. And I think as we take that on and we recognize that in the incarnation, our Lord was moved with pity, that he stretches out his hand to touch us who find ourselves in a fallen state who find ourselves so often alienated because of many different reasons. I mean, in particular, because of sin. I mean, our own sinful condition so often leaves us feeling isolated and alone, feeling off by ourselves. In fact, as G.K. Chesterton talked about the fact that so often we can feel homesick, even at home. You know, because of the fact that we live in this fallen condition, But the glory is, is that he didn't just leave us to ourselves. And the beautiful thing is, is that as we move further and further away from Christmas, right? And Christmas is so wonderful because in a lot of ways, it's just sort of easy to jump into the celebration of the Incarnation when he's born because everybody loves a baby, right? I mean, it's so wonderful to celebrate and we have all of the cultural things that go with it. But so often with that celebration... You know, we focus on all of the things around it without necessarily going to the heart of the matter. And I don't mean to get into like a, you know, anti-materialist of Christmas sort of thing. Yeah, consumerism, all the whatever. But, you know, we enjoy a lot of that stuff, and understandably so. But we learn time and time again that all of the stuff doesn't necessarily satisfy us, right? I was so excited this past week. You probably don't need to know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, A microbrewery in Charlotte that I love came out with the same beer that they had a long time ago that I loved last time, and I got it, and I was so excited, and I was disappointed. It wasn't as good as the last time. And how often does that happen, right? I mean, we expect certain things to be great, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to feel wonderful. And then it just kind of lets us down so much of the time but the beautiful thing about this gospel today and thanks be to god for the wisdom of the church in giving it to us right before lent is that recognition that we're not left alone in our own isolation in our own fallen condition that god loved us so much to be willing to switch places with us right to be willing to switch places with the leper to go all the way to the cross. And I would say as we look at the cross, as you look over there at the 12th station, when you think about that and figuring out the way to be ever closer to him who loves us so much. I mean, the church gives us the beautiful uh, prescription for Lent of we need to enter into prayer and fasting and almsgiving and do it and do it with your whole heart. But I would say this year, it's probably very important to look at the model of who is the one at the foot of the cross over there on the 12th station. Notice that it's not Peter. Peter is the one, you know, at the, at the Last Supper, it's, you know, Lord, even if everybody else runs away from you, I'm not going anywhere. It's like, you know what, I'm giving up everything. I'm taking cold showers and I'm sleeping out on a rock. Okay, great, but you're probably not gonna do that. And that probably isn't going to ultimately help you all the way. Who's the one at the foot of the cross? It's our blessed mother. And why is she there? Because she loves her son. And I would say, as we live in, yes, a difficult time in which isolation is happening all over the place all the time. There's tears and wailing and upsetness, right? As we see all of that, I think the important thing for us is to appreciate the incarnation that much more. And to strive to grow in love. And to do that with prayer and fasting and almsgiving. Recognizing the fact that in our fallen condition, He comes to us. He loves us. And what are those things that I keep going to time and time again, expecting that finally this will satisfy me? I'm going to love this. That maybe the different things that I do to numb myself, like just leaving the news on all the time or perpetually checking my phone or going back to the same beer time and time again, right? All these different things that we set aside because they don't fulfill us, right? And it's that reminder once again that they don't, but not just to do it so I can white knuckle it and show I can not watch TV for 40 days, but to do it because it's, Lord, I know you love me and I know that I want to come out to that deserted place with you. You've done all of this for me. I want to set this to the side and to be with you and to make that space to spend time in prayer with him. To just be in his presence. I'll tell you another thing, just kind of a little personal insight. And I'm grateful for the gift of celibacy because it helps to enter into this more and more. Whenever I come back from Illinois and spending time with my niece and my nephews, right? It's hard. I don't like telling them goodbye. It's a difficult thing. And inevitably on a Sunday afternoon when we're, you know, it's like we have our big family reunion on Sunday morning. And then on Sunday afternoon I'm just beat, right? But I'm back at the rectory by myself and it's like, ugh. I mean, I could turn on football, and that's fine. But honestly, it's when I've come over here to the church, and I've sat right over here in front of our Blessed Mother. I've sat here in front of the tabernacle, not necessarily saying all sorts of things, but our Lord is there. He's here with us. And the gift of the cel- of celibacy to the church is to show, it's like, hey, He is here. Live your life showing that being with Him ultimately fulfills us, that he's emptied himself to be here with us. And I know you're not celibate. That's fine. It's great. We all have our different vocations, but it points towards the fact that stepping aside to be with him is ultimately what fulfills us, not just more things and stuff to fill up our time. You know, it's, uh, I love that saying. It's like, you know, don't just do something, stand there. You know, isn't that great? Sometimes I think we need to hear that And just to be with him and listen to him. Because that's really what the leper didn't do, right? He didn't listen to him. He ran out, told everybody. Now, granted, we obviously, like St. Paul in the second reading, have to share our faith. You know, be imitators of me as I'm an imitator of Christ, as we heard at the end of the second reading. But before we even get to that point, and I think this is where Lent is so helpful, we need to be at his feet to listen to him, to listen to that fact that he loves us so much, to empty himself, and not just to say as a babe in a manger, but to even trade places with the leper. To enter down into whatever difficulties we may be having, and to not leave us to struggle there all by ourselves. He gives us the sacraments, gives us himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, gives us confession in which one at a time we go to him and he reaches out and touches us and says, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. That's the kind of peace we can't find anywhere else. And it's the kind of peace that ultimately leads us to that last point of Lent, almsgiving. Going to that point of not just keeping it to ourselves, not just turning in on ourselves and being, you know, in a state of self-pity all the time, but being like him. Being imitators of Paul as he is an imitator of Christ. But only doing it after we've sat at his feet. We've recognized the fact that he is the one who fulfills us. He is the one who, no matter what, throughout all of the ages, has been there waiting for us for two millennia in the tabernacle to be there with him, to know that he loves us more than anything, going all the way to the cross. And that's what we start working toward through this Lenten season as we celebrate the stations of the cross, as we move on towards Good Friday, as we see the extent to which he will go for love of us. And the beautiful thing that we see once again and that we prepare to celebrate in a great way is that that sin and death that throws everything at him that it has is not victorious in the end. And so as we experience the cross, as we know the fallenness and the isolation and the leprosy that is there in our own lives, let's pray for the grace during this season that obviously society has not jumped on board with in a big way. There aren't as many distractions to ask our Lord for the grace to know what is it that I need to set aside, that I've been going to for comfort that can't possibly give it. What is it that I need to do to spend more time with you in prayer, to listen to you, and then on fire with love for you, just like our Blessed Mother, how then can I share the greatest of all alms with those in my life, the love of Christ. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.